Welcome to the AFR Ratings Podcast, Round 10 Wrap. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryant. G'day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. How you doing? All good. Uh, you were at the Adelaide Oval on Friday night and witnessed a cracking contest between Port Adelaide and Melbourne in difficult conditions, but Port Adelaide triumphed late uh, with a strong finish in that last quarter. Yeah, it lived up to the hype in the end. The weather was um, a little bit concerning, and uh, early on, I think both teams were kind of struggling. But, yeah, Port Adelaide was so impressive. I mean, they've, they've won seven in a row now. And at the end of round three, there were there were doubts about, you know, whether or not they could be even playing finals. Like, I was fairly in agreement with Kenny Inkley's comments at the start of the year that it's the best list he's ever coached. But it just wasn't gelling, and they were trying to figure out this game plan with the new additions. And Zach Butters, you know, had the AC joint injury, Tom... Uh, Tom Jonas, you know, wasn't really firing either. And then on top of that, um, they're all just, you know, trying to figure out how to blend together. And, and it's just, yeah, magnificent what they've been able to do the past couple of months. And a lot of that is because of Zach Butters. I mean, he's he was the number four rated player in the league by champion data in the last five games heading into Friday night. He may be the first after the performance he put on with 41 touches and two goals. And, yeah, they were just completely dominant in the middle, which was a big shock. I mean, heading in, and I tipped Melbourne purely because Scott Lysett was coming in to combat Gorn Grundy, but I just didn't think it was going to be enough. Scott Lysett felt like he was on his last legs and out the door, and they'd obviously brought him in to tackle a bit of that height and around the ground, and, and I thought it would just mean that the Melbourne midfielders would get silver service, and, and Oliver and Petrarca would, would certainly take advantage of that, and Viney was fresh up a really good game as well, but um, they just got obliterated. Butters and Rosie and even Horn Francis to an extent I mean, these these are kids 22 and under. They're, they're the next decade of Port Adelaide's, you know, premiership midfield, they'd be hoping. And um, they outclassed one of the, the contenders for the flag this year. It, it was pretty impressive. If you take away that third term, they, they just dominated clearance and inside 50, despite losing the hit, the hit out count as well. And then up forward, you know, no Charlie Dixon, no Todd Marshall, but Ollie Lord stands up in their absence in his fourth game. The depth is real with this footy club now, and, and there's going to be a period where they lose a couple of games they probably shouldn't because, you know, no one goes through the, the year unscathed. But seven wins in a row with a pretty favourable draw to come heading into the bye, um, the sky is the limit for Port Adelaide right now. Yeah, just I'll just throw in there that list for Port Adelaide is actually a pretty good uh, demographic going forward. So, yeah, quite youthful and obviously through that midfield there as well. 100%. I've been adamant that um, even though this almost was the last dance year for you know Ken Inkley, Tom Jonas, Travis Boak, maybe Charlie Dixon, that it wasn't going to be a complete fall off a cliff for Port Adelaide because they had balanced the age profile fairly well. I mean, back in 2020 when they were arguably the premiership favourites and probably should have won that year, but they fell over at the prelim final by a goal. Uh, again, still in that point, they'd found this perfect balance. I think their average age profile was smack bang in the middle around that 25 mark. So... They've done very well with their list turnover. The hard part from here is, you know, Miles Bergman's out of contract. Do you let someone like Travis Boke walk and use that money for Bergman? And that, that'll be the difficult conversations to have at the end of the year. But for now, they've just got to roll with, you know, what they've got because the list manager's done an incredible job to put this team together. And it almost feels like a destination club in a way with some of the recruits they've had the past few years. Yeah, and I'll just throw another one in here. If you think back to the, the Rosie and Butters the draft uh, when they came in, like it's been quite planned. Obviously, you, you get a few players dropping off, like uh, superstars of football Adelaide dropping off, but Robbie Gray, uh, etc. There, but you know, just the planning and the, and the next iteration of Port Adelaide and the potential of a premiership window, um, it's actually been very well planned. I think uh, from a list build point of view for me. 
on reflection, I mean, you look at the trades they did to, to get those players in. You know, the, the picks from Butters and Rosie were from the Chad Wingard trade. Yeah. And, and he's done absolutely nothing since then. And, and the same with getting rid of Jared Pollock and, and also Jasper Pittard, who internally just weren't rated that highly because of their work ethic. And they, they go to North and, and, again, don't accomplish a lot. And um, neither are on a list anymore. And, and Port Adelaide were able to turn those around into picks that they've you know, they've used to build this crop. They've got a ton of first-rounders now between this youthful core. And, I mean, the, the Horn Francis one is, is the one that a lot of people be frustrated about, that, um, you know, he should have cost them a fair bit more. But at the end of the day, um, you know, that, that'll boil down to North and what's going on there. But everything else around that, that they plan strategically incredibly well. Yeah, and I'll throw in the most recent one there of, you know, not paying... Uh, for a player that can be potentially easy, easily replaced, and that's Carl Amon from last year. So he has an outstanding year for Port Adelaide, and obviously conversations were going on in the background, and you know Port were probably well aware that he was uh, going out the door, but they don't utilise the money that he wants in the salary cap, and you know they just regenerate again. So you know a lot of clubs get stuck by paying uh, players in that mid range. Uh, a lot of dollars, and we see a couple of clubs uh, currently in salary cap hell at the moment. But, you know, Port Adelaide, the list management, their salary cap management, which is probably just as important. Uh, yeah, they're happy that Port Adelaide, it seems to me, on the outside looking in, they are happy for players to walk out the door, and they'll strategically target players they want, obviously, coming in that door. 100%. I think the Carl Amon one, you know, he was fourth or fifth in the league for uncontested possessions. So I think they knew as well internally, even though he was an outside player, that, again, that attitudinal thing, he just probably didn't fit into the game plan they're currently using, which is high-pressure, frantic football. And um, I think, yeah, it's the same over the past few years with the Chad Williams guards and the Pollocks. That they've been pretty ruthless. Like, when they have players that clearly don't fit the mould that they're after in, in terms of work ethic, in terms of character. Um, they're happy to move them on because they've built something that, I mean, this feels like a family for the Port Adelaide Football Club. They're so invested in Ken Hinkley, the players, and, and he in, in them. And they're a very emotional group and they do ride the wave. And um, it's clearly working for them at the moment. I mean, him down on the boundary has been a revelation and, and they're just absorbing you know, you know, all this enjoyment right now. And at some point, again, as I mentioned, it, it's going to come crashing down because you know, nothing's ever perfect in footy. And and that'll be the real test is how they, you know, overcome the difficult period that eventually will come because I think they have the hardest draw ranked by Cup champion data for the remainder of the season. So, you know, the next month looks good and after the bye, it's a, it's a real test from there. Yeah, they've banked a fair few wins down, so they should be well on their way to the finals. But just the last one on that list management. So obviously, Amon again moves out the door. But they obviously uh, have targeted and can see the future of the outside winger-type player, and that's Bergman and Dersma there as well. Yeah, and, and the issue last year was they couldn't get games into those guys purely because their 22 was pretty solid, and, and yeah, Amon was holding that spot down. Like Bergman was having injury issues around that, but he still just wasn't consistently in the 22. Uh, and, and that's the argument, I guess, from Mitch Georgiatis as well, is that They've got Ollie Lord, Dante Vicentini, Tom Scully. They're, they're all kind of juniors who are hoping to be the next Charlie Dixon. I don't think they need to keep Mitch Georgiatis. And, and, you know, he's adamantly said he, he'll only stay if he's in the best 22. And, you know, he probably is right now purely because the, the people beneath him are inexperienced. But long term, they don't need him. So I, I think he's the next one to go, that they will... I know the, the ACL is really heartbreaking and it's, it may have hurt his value a little bit, but they may be able to get a late first round, early second out of someone like a West Coast. 
All right, so uh, Port Adelaide Appreciation uh, podcast so far, but let's move on to a couple of points to finish off on this game on Friday night. Zach Butter has produced one of the better individual games of the season. Yeah, I, I think it was up there with um, the two six seven goal performances from Jeremy Cameron. Like it was incredible how dominant he was, and I understand you know you say forty one touches and two goals, like it is it's a big game, but we've seen you know players accomplish that before, but. It was the matter that he went about it. Every disposal impacted. He was always around the contest. He carried Port Adelaide on his back. And the two goals that he kicked were from 55, drop punts on tight angles in the wet. Uh, he just did everything perfectly. And it's it's just encapsulated his past month or past five, six weeks that um, he's almost eclipsed Connor Rosie. We actually had Connor on the, on the show on Saturday morning and, and I asked him, you know, who's Batman and who's Robin because at the moment between the two of them um, either of them could win the John Cable medal and and he said oh well between uh, myself Butters and Antoine Francis we've got three Batman but um, it, it's a good problem to have that you've got three guys that at any given point could be the best on ground and you touched on it earlier uh, the selection of Scott Lysett I thought was a pretty good move um, Matt Scorn was also a target uh, by Port Adelaide players throughout the game as well yeah, they put a lot of work into him, and um, there was a fair bit of, um, not aggression, but just, yeah, <laughs> a bit of cheekiness about it, <laughs> especially Zach Butters at times was getting into him. But, yeah, I wasn't too sure. I mean, Scott Lysett's selection for me felt like it had to happen, but I wasn't overly impressed by his form leading into that and obviously the injuries around that. I still think it may be his last year at the footy club. Um, but, yeah, he stood up. I think it's enough that he probably stays in the side. They've got Richmond next weekend or this coming weekend and then Kervis will obviously be a tough task to battle. So I, I do like when Finlayson's in there because they do seem to win more clearances. But until Charlie Dixon and Todd Marshall are ready to go, they need him up forward. So Scott Lysett's the guy. Well, let's move on to Port Adelaide versus Melbourne Fantasy Rap. So 148 points for Zach Butters, obviously an awesome game. Yeah, massive, but heartbreaking for me. I missed out on him by about 10K a couple of weeks ago when that was the time to get on. And, and now it's, it's yeah... It's still achievable at 8.42. His break-even's 53 heading into this round, which is insane. But um, it's almost a a difficult ask. There's a a fair few top six forwards now floating around, and we've got more DPPs still to come, and there's rumours that Jack McRae and Sam Walsh will be involved in there. But um, at 8.42, like, it's now or never. If you don't get him this week, it's it's probably too expensive. Like I didn't jump on Errol Goulden this past week because he was a 900K guy that may not end up in the top six forwards. Uh, and Zach Butters could end, end up that way. Like, I always saw him as averaging 95 plus, and, and he will get there now. But um, it, it's hard. His form at the moment is just ridiculous. Like, if he continues the role that he's at and the way that he's playing, you know, he's going to be 110 plus most weeks. But he has a history of injuring himself because he does go very hard at the contest. And as we've seen in the months prior with Port Adelaide, because there are so many midfield options and they rotate a bit, you know, he can tend to drop off. But yeah, his last three weeks, 111, 118, 148. Like, if he did manage to get on when he bottomed out at 712, um, it's a master strike. Uh, and I, I'd still recommend trying to get him this week, but it, yeah, it's probably now or never. And the next one here, Connor Rosie, 121 points. So his scoring rate has actually been quite impressive so far this season. Yeah, I think we've touched on it a few times that he's almost set and forget in the forward line. And it was looking a little shaky. He had the 79 the week prior and then hadn't really tunned, I think, since round six. So the 121 is a nice little backup. And again, it was almost second fiddle to Zach Butters, which is, I guess, the concern that the as Zach Butters has risen between round seven to ten, 
Connor Rosie has dropped off in his scoring. Um, he did pick up, obviously, on Friday night, but before that, yeah, wasn't at his best. So, um, I mean, I'd, I'm not touching him for a long period of time. If anything, he's a sideways trade in the buys if he doesn't impress over the next few weeks because I think he's got, uh, what is it, the round 15, I reckon, off the top of my head. Yeah, the round 15 buy, which is going to be a busy one. There's a lot of big-name teams in there. So um, maybe you sideways trade if he doesn't consistently perform over the next four weeks, but he still has that potential, as we saw on Friday night, to be a 100-plus player, so don't even worry about it for now. Uh, next one here, Dan Houston, 115 points, and that game was well set up for him to put up a pretty decent number. Yeah, plenty of possession of the, uh, the back line or half-back line, and um, yeah, he, he does have this potential, as we've seen over the past few years, where he can have really big scores. And at one point, um, they were internally really wanted him to be, well, they saw him as an all-Australian midfielder, and it's just never come to fruition purely because of the talent around him. And um, he's just not reliable as an option down back. I mean, he's not a top six defender. He's going to have these big games, but um, he's, he's still probably more of an 80s kind of guy in terms of an average, maybe 85 to 90. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just looking at him now, and the break even's still at 80, even after 115. So, yeah, and pushing 800K. So, I wouldn't really jump on despite how good he played. And we touched on it earlier, Max Gorn targeted by Porto Adelaide players on Friday night. Just 66 points for Gorn. Yeah, it hasn't been a, a great run, really, over the last couple of weeks. Brody Grundy feels like the number one ruckman, even though they do rotate. I think he spends more time in there and certainly has a better uh, hit-out rate and hit-out to advantage rate. So Gorn's going to probably get DPP. I think the last I saw, he was around 43%. So I think it's definitely happening. Um, which probably doesn't even make him a top six forward option anyway. <laughs> that, that, the way that he's scoring, like he he's almost stuck in no man's land. He, he's lost 170k, he's still priced 750. So, and his break even's high. Like uh, even when he gets DPP status in a couple of weeks' time, um, you'd hope maybe he's bottomed out by then and he's more of a 700k option um, because I just don't think he's yeah the guy you want in the final few weeks of the season. Uh, he may just be a stepping stone at this rate. On to the last one here. So uh, Christian Salem returns from Melbourne. That was an opportunity to get Angus Brayshaw back into the middle of the ground. He started in the middle, but just 57 points for Brayshaw. He did spend a time across a bit of time across the fence as well. Yeah, a little disappointing. I, I thought this would be the game that he'd return to his best, especially when we did see him in the middle at the start. And um, I, I guess maybe part of that could be, I can't even say the weather, really. I know, I know Brayshaw does like to mark, but there's still the opportunity for tackling and disposal. And, and Oliver still found enough footy, even though he was on one leg. And Viney disappeared. Petrarca pulled through with his ankle. So, I mean, the, the opportunity was there, and he didn't grab it. So it probably, I guess, reiterates that, that Angus Brayshaw is in a top-six defender now. We were kind of hoping that maybe yeah. he'd come back to his best. But I, I think he's yeah he's an 80s player now. And um, if he started with him, really bad luck because he's uh, you know, dropped a a massive amount in price, but um, he's probably not going to be one of those um, really affordable kind of bottoming out defenders that could become a primo, unfortunately. On to round 10 fantasy rep. So uh, Harry Sheasel, 112 points. So the move was made, and obviously Clarko not there for the Kangaroos, and Brett Bratton takes over as interim senior coach. So the move was made. Sheasel starts forward in that game, as I half suspected, and then all of a sudden... Uh, into the midfield, there he goes, and he was actually outstanding, working through traffic. Uh, this was quite impressive. So we know he's got the defensive part of his game. Obviously, he's a quality forward as a junior, but roaming through that midfield, he looked right at home. So this is actually exciting times 
uh, for the remainder of the season for if you own Sheasel, which is pretty much most of the competition. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was an excellent game, obviously against a pretty decent midfield in Sydney there as well. Yeah, and steals you with a lot of confidence, doesn't it? That you know he had that forty-seven in round six when Aaron Hall came back in, and, and Hall returns to the side across the weekend, and I think a lot of us had you know hearts in mouths about what it could result in, and he starts up forward, and he wasn't scoring very well in the first 10 minutes, and you just thought, oh, it's it's happening again, and maybe we're going to need to get off. But, um, yeah, absolutely obliterated the final three terms once he did get that midfield time. So, yeah, there was a period of time where a lot of us thought about jumping off, and, and most probably did around that, you know, round 67 mark. So they, they've missed out. He's had 126, 98, 81, 112 since then, and, and still continues to make money. Like, he's... It's incredible what he's doing. Like he's top six regardless of the line that you play him in, uh, forward or defence. So the biggest issue with Sheasel that I'm looking ahead to see is if you own Rosie, maybe adding Butters in as well. You have Sheasel, you have Zebel. Round 15 is looking a real worry with the buys, and, and that's going to be a tough decision to make. Is it is that the point round 15 where you sideways swap him to another premium because he's, he technically is still a rookie, and we're kind of waiting for him to hit that wall. But there's also that gamble that. He's just doing so well that you don't really want to let him go. So um, there's a tough decision coming in about a month's time for a lot of fantasy coaches. Uh, next one here, 131 points from Rory Laird. So a strong tackle game again, uh, getting a lot of work inside the contest there as well, uh, which is assisting his fantasy game. Yeah, I think um, we've spoken in the last couple of weeks about how he does rely on his tackles for scoring. But on Saturday, it actually was... A bit more impressive that he, he did find a fair bit of the footy considering the conditions, and and maybe part of that was that Dawson did disappear, so he kind of stood up as the as the leader. But I mean, he, he's been chugging along pretty well, Rory Laird, since that stumbling start. I think he's had you know a ton in the last six. So um, there's going to be questions this week about Clayton Oliver. The rumblings are that he could be out for a month with the hamstring issue. I'm surprised that he played that final term. He, he pulled up really poorly and. Uh, I couldn't believe that they continued to play him, um, and now it looks like they may, you know, bear the cost of that. That he he, he could be out long term, and if that's the case, Oliver Delaird is a sideways swap. Swap may be the go. On to the next one here. Uh, so Jason Johannesson unfortunately does his hamstring in that game on Saturday in Ballarat. So what the one thought that I went to is who actually benefits from that injury situation because Jack Johannesson was taking a lot of ball distribution from D50 for the Bulldogs. So one of those players to sort of cash in was Bailey Dale, and he scores 130 points. Yeah, I'd like to prefer to him as the, the Jack McRae 2.0 because they, they do look very similar and wear the same boots. But um, he, he has incredible scoring potential, as we've seen over the past couple of years, and just started so poorly because of that role. Um, there was a fair few people who started the year round one with him, and he's he's lost 100k now, so he's pretty much bottomed out. Break even's really good, 700k, so he's affordable. I mean, there's a lot of players that we're going to be looking to bring in this week, but if you have the luxury, um, Bailey Dale's probably want to jump on. They've got a decent run from here. The role is there, uh, and he has a history of, you know, being a, a confident fantasy scorer down back. So um, yeah, the Johannesson injury is frustrating for those who had him, although he's made a fair bit of coin if he did get on. So. Um, maybe you could even. I'm trying to have a look at the prices now. So Dale, Dale at 700. Johannesson made a bit, but not enough. I reckon. Yeah, 645. So it's not exactly sideways, but um, yeah, it, it wouldn't do you any harm if you managed to get from one to the other. 
and the other player to take advantage of an injury situation, it was Adam Trelaw a few weeks ago, and that is Bailey Smith. So a strong scoring rate the last few weeks without Trelaw, right in the middle there as well, 120 points from him, a very solid game. Yeah, I jumped in this week. He was my upgrade in the forward line. I tossed up Gordon and him, and he had eight touches in the first eight minutes, and I thought, yeah, I've done the right, made the right call here. And he, he did drop off a little bit in the third. I think he started to – he'd almost hit, I think, 70 or something at half time, and then he, he just his scoring slowed a fair bit, so he didn't quite get that massive 140 or something we were expecting. But, I mean, 121, you take that. Um, his break even still achievable considering he'd bottomed out at that 800K price. So – um, I really like it. The, the issue, as you said, is you know what happens when Trelaw comes back in and, and Luke Beveridge's history of um, being so dramatic with his his movement with players. Um, Jack McRae is going to get forward status as well, so you could have both of them in your forward line, which would be really exciting. But um, yeah, I really like Bailey Smith. I had a look at his CBA numbers um, online during the week, and he isn't actually he hasn't had that dramatic of a growth. He's still getting more with the absence of Trelaw, but he was always kind of around the same mark anyway. So the scoring actually, for me, feels like a player that's returned to the 22 and is starting to build momentum, almost like a Zach Butters. So, um, yeah, I, I really like what I'm seeing from Bailey Smith. On to the next one here, 135 points from Andrew Brayshaw. A very strong a few weeks put together by him. Yeah, almost flew under the radar, I think. I don't, I don't think many people had him as a captaincy option against the Cats at home, but um, he feasted, yeah, and especially early. He was another one that yeah, looked like the ceiling was going to be monstrous, and, and 135 was the end result, which is great. And He was the one that you probably needed to get on um, when he, he basically got down to the high 800s. He'd lost 100K then. That's when I jumped on as well a couple of weeks ago. Put 157 on Hawthorne to thank everyone who did. Uh, and then, yeah, since since the last three weeks, he's basically made that 100k back now. So um, it's probably a little too late to get on with with Andrew Brayshaw. All things considered, you could go Clayton Oliver to him. He's got that favourable round 12 buy, so you you don't lose too many players that week, and then he's around for the rest. So uh, maybe you want to do that. But with Melbourne on this weekend at the MCG, and then that buy, I mean, there may be other options if you're thinking about a, a more longer term option. Yeah, and Caleb Sarogna as well, uh, obviously a strong fantasy season so far. He puts up 125 points, and obviously both Brayshaw and Sarong are taking advantage of an undermanned uh, midfield from Geelong. Yeah, but I think the most impressive part with Caleb was he, he didn't start very well and then skyrocketed off. And uh, we've mentioned this a fair few times on the pod that in the past he he just isn't reliable. He, he can drop to 80s and then occasionally have 110s, but this year has been the breakout year. Um, and again, you know, it was, a, it was a tough start against Geelong, and he's picked himself up and dropped to 125. So he's certainly a senior leader in the midfield now alongside Brayshaw, and, and the two of them are combined. It's not like one week one's going to do well and the other isn't. They're, they're, they're consistently scoring well together. Um, and Nat Fife returning to the side as well, albeit he did get subbed, uh, didn't impact Sarong either. So I, I think it's pretty safe now that, that those two... You know the stalwarts of, of the Fremantle midfield. On to the next one here. So Will Ashcroft is, is rebounded quite significantly the last few weeks, and 127 points for him. And for those that have held, uh, yeah, it's a pretty decent hold right now. Yeah, it's the brutal aspects of fantasy, isn't it? That 61 against Carlton a few weeks ago, there would have been a fair few that jumped off. I was lucky enough to hold because I had other problems. And yeah, 109, 127 in the past couple continues to make money. Um, and again. I think his break even still pretty low, 45. So 
and the round 12 bye, which to be honest, that was kind of where I was looking to upgrade him. I, I thought that was, that was the round where you didn't have a lot of players out because it is one of those only a couple of teams missing by. Um, but that was the week to go two down, one up. And, um, you may not actually have to do too much to get him up at this stage. I mean, by that point of that buy, he should be 700k. So, um, he's doing everything correct. Adelaide this weekend, the E again should at least get an 80 there. Uh, and then, then it's the tough call. You know, do you pull the trigger around 12 with Hawthorne coming after that? Or do you hold him knowing that it's helpful to have him through 13, 14, 15 when you're missing other players? That's going to be a season deciding moment at times because you could get him to a premium, but he's also at times can score like one. On to the next one here. Uh, outstanding game from Zach Merritt on Saturday night at the MCG. 158 points and his scoring rate was outstanding. And when you consider uh, no Dylan Shield, our late withdrawal out of that team, no Will Setterfield there as well, um, and no, no Darcy Parrish there as well, and, and just probably a benefit of, of Richmond not going out with a hard tack on many teams on pretty much all occasions. So he took uh, advantage of that quite significantly. 158 points from him again. Yeah, put the bombers on his back. He, he was magnificent um, and, and so impressive. Another option if you side swapping with Clayton Oliver. The only issue that I have with him is um, West Coast this coming weekend, which sounds amazing on paper. Um, Xavier O'Neill went to Will Day today. Yep. So there is that concern that maybe he does cop the tag because there is literally no one around him. Um, that they, they realise he's the only senior player in that midfield, so we need to shut him down. North the week after could do the same. So the next couple of weeks, whilst they look amazing when you, you jump on the app and you go West Coast North, bang, bang, 150 each, um, he's probably going to start getting attention until those players come back. I mean, Parrish is still five weeks away. Setterfield was four. So, um, you know, other players stood up in their absence, but Merritt is the guy. So he's the one who's going to cop the brunt of the attention. And as you said, Richmond just don't do that. They don't tag. So he he was able to run free and, and capitalise. But... I can't see that happening every week. So it's it's a very high-risk, high-reward kind of option with Zach Merritt because, yeah, he, he's he's going to get plenty of the footy over the next few weeks, but clubs may realise that as well. On to Sunday now, and it was Dom Sheed. I think he had 100 at half-time there, and 139 points seems a little bit underwhelming considering what he did in that first half. And obviously, it was a bit of a soft game from both teams there as well with regards from a fantasy perspective there. But, yeah, obviously, overall, 139 points is a pretty quality score. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles didn't touch the ball in that fourth term, so <laughs> there's probably part of that as a result. But, yeah, he's put together a good couple of weeks, Dom Sheed, 111, uh, 81, 139. So he and Tim Kelly are going to be, you know, the main guys. Andrew Gap is no good. So, um, you know, he, he's a decent option at 721 if you are stuck as, you know, trying to get out of a mid-price of like a Braden Fiorini. His, his break-even is good at 40, so, I, you know, I'm not against bringing in a Dom Sheed um, because I, I do think he's still going to be a senior leader in that midfield and fine enough for the footy. But, gee, West Coast are abysmal. And their run is going to be brutal from here. I mean, Essendon yeah. and Collingwood, Adelaide, and, and in the unfavourable round 14 buy, like 14, 15 of the buyers you're trying to avoid bringing in right now. So, yeah, it's a tough call. Um, I'd go for, you know, more teams that actually have a better rate of scoring than West Coast. But Dom Sheed may be your only option if he's all you can afford. And another player that put together a quality game today was Jack Sinclair, 141 points. And that game set up quite significantly for him uh, behind the ball. Um, yeah, and he just racked up uh, plenty of points there, 141 points. Yeah, I think now's the time to get on. He's bottomed out. He got down to 8-14, made some 
some money uh, as a result of that 141, and, and now he's up to 831. So, um, you know, his break even's good. He's, he's arguably, you know, top four, top three in defenders. He had a little lean patch there between North and Adelaide, but his scoring potential is massive. Incredible at his age that he's, he's been able to break out the way he has in the last couple of years, and I wish I could know what, what the, the reason is behind that. But, um, yeah, he's... A solid player for the Saints, and, and the way they do like to kick Mark as well around the back line certainly helps him. And the last one here, you've got to give a shout out to Jack Steele. So obviously you had that shoulder uh, injury and, and uh, missed a few weeks there earlier in the season. And last week it was like it was a, just a tough situation where you know his leg completely gets caught up in a Rory Sloan kick where one of Sloan's leg is locked in and Sloan kicks, tries to kick the ball and kicks uh, Steele's foot and that looked incredibly dangerous for Steele but, you know, some doubt through that the week whether he would get up for this game and he did and he performed well and 121 points. So, yeah, he was outstanding and obviously a week of doubt and that uh, knee concern throughout the week. Uh, it was a monster game uh, from Steele. Uh, quite impressive, actually. Yeah, I think most coaches expected him to be you know, a laid out heading into the game today. <laughs> the expectation was he just wasn't going to get up. And then he did, not only does he play, he did slow, start a little bit slow, but then he yeah, completely shot out of the gates and, and got the 121. So it's an interesting prospect with Jack Steele. Like he, he hasn't exactly bottomed out, but it's, you know, he's break even still, I think, 110. But he has that huge scoring potential. But again, he's coming off the injury, as you mentioned, and, and kind of like that Zach Butters-esque where... And, and Travis Boak as well to an extent with, when he had the, the McGovern injury to his ribs that it just takes a few weeks and we kind of have seen that since his return he, he's had three scores 85 or less in between there we've seen glimpses of his greatness but just not consistently enough the issue now is Hawthorne this weekend could be a really high scoring game for him and he has the favourable round 12 bye do you wait until after round 12 and bring him in round 13 could be the go he could have bottomed out by then with the 110 break even Maybe he, he makes 100 against Hawthorne, has the buy, and you can get him around 868, 70. Mm. The risk is he has this huge game on the weekend, and, and then and that's it, and you've missed the boat. But um, yeah, I, I think round 13 for me is probably the play. Yeah, I think uh, just just talking about that and thinking about possible matchups for Steel this week, obviously Conor Nash could go to him there as well. What will probably be a decent matchup for Steel from the Hawks' point of view as well, and obviously Newcomb up against him as well. So there might be one where I'd probably lean in favour of waiting a little bit, and obviously he's thrown in a couple of low scores, unfortunately, this year. So yeah, I'm just obviously the two injuries still sticks in my mind, and you know what what are we going to expect for the remainder of the season? So if you were held, like you just got uh, well rewarded. So congrats to the listeners out there that held and. It stayed strong and just it's got the absolute payoff there. Well, Aaron, yeah. um, all the best for your planning this week. So, what is your uh, outlook for the week ahead? I'm on the road this weekend, so I'm heading off to the MCG on Saturday for Wallyalup and Nam, which is the Dockers and the Demons. And then on Sunday we have the Crows and the Lions at the Adelaide Oval. So, a couple of big games. Uh, obviously, the show on Saturday morning as well. So a lot to look forward to. I mean, that Sunday game is is a massive clash now. I mean, we, it kind of was already considering the form Adelaide was in, but now after that you know, really disappointing loss in Ballarat, the, the pressure's back on again to prove that they're worthy of playing finals. And Brisbane, 
you know, they're supposed to be a top four contender. So um, we've had, I mean, the, the last month we've had some absolute thrillers of the Adelaide Oval, and I just have this feeling that it's going to continue this coming weekend. Yeah, a couple of quality games, and we will run through those at the end of next week's uh, round. So, yeah, quite looking forward to both of those games, and obviously we'll wrap them up there as well. Um, you can find Aaron uh, on Twitter at Aaron Bryant, uh, and obviously ABC Sport, the ABC Grandstand South Australia as well. And you can find me at AFL Ratings, Pete, on Twitter, uh, aflratings.com.au, for a stack of fantasy information to help out your teams and AFL Ratings Twitter accounts and associated Twitter accounts there as well. So just rolling through a stack of news every day just to help out your fantasy teams. Well, Aaron, all the best for your planning this week, and we'll speak to you at the end of round 11. Thanks, Pete.